Good evening, everyone. I should say good night. It's already 11 o'clock. Um, I'm a day and three hours late. So I'm 27 hours late for this year. But I guess the time for the shear is really only now. Because the proof is, because that's when the shear is being given. Um, <coughs> I set my mind on something that I wanted to teach, and it just... Um, I had a hard time formulating it and bring, and I still don't know where this is going to go with Hashem's help. It's going to be a successful shear. Um, before we start, I'd like to mention the dedication of tonight's shear. So tonight's shear has been dedicated by the Greenbaum family. Rabbi Mendel Greenbaum, his wife, his children, um, his mother, this is Le'ili Nishmas, their father, Mendel Greenbaum's father, Rabbi Greenbaum from Becheder. His father is a very dear friend of mine and a very dear friend of mine, Yisrael. Tonight, tonight is his first yard site, Rabbi Yaakov Greenbaum. Rabbi Yankel Greenbaum. Mamish, a really good friend. And I can't believe it's a year already. Um... Tezvav Tevis. Rabbi Yaakov, Harav Atamim, Rabbi Yaakov, Ben Reb Shmuel Yosef, Allah Shalom. May this be for an incredible Aliyah's Neshama for him. May he chant a lot of brachas to his family, only for Mazel, and um, good, good, good things. Tremendous Talmud Chacham, person who loved learning, loved people, loved life. And uh, it was a heart of gold, I know that personally. My last encounter with him, I was leaving to Australia to speak. I went to pick up a Dvar Malchus. See, it's, it relates to tonight's class, because tonight we're talking all about Malchus. So I went to pick up a publication, Dvar Malchus, because I was going on the plane and I don't use so much the pamphlets. I usually like to look, learn in Svarim. But on ta traveling to Australia, it would be much easier to take the Dvar Malchus with me, the booklet that's got all the Shiurim and everything in it. So I went to Rabbi Reichik's house, who lived on the, I think, on the, the same block or whatever, in the corner of Mansfield. And I went to pick it up and I was, as a preparation for the trip that I was going to Australia that night for over a week. And um, suddenly I get like a beep and it was Rabbi Greenbaum, Rabbi Yankel Greenbaum, who at, this was already a week and a half before his passing. He was ill already with Yanamachla uh, for a while and very weak. And somehow he was driving with his car and he saw me and he was waving, calling me over. And or I think he maybe came around and made a I don't remember what it was, but I remember the moment. What was in the gay in his head? He wanted to give me money for my Yisrael. And he's, you know, he's Baruch Hashem been a huge supporter over here. But the fact that, you know, a person with, at that point, he was pretty, pretty drained. And the one thing on his mind was, I'd like to help out, help you out, help the center out. Some, it was just very, very special. We learned together privately quite, quite, quite a few times. 
had such a inner delight in, in anything that was an all goodness, just a fantastic person. I miss him a lot. Let this be a big alias neshama for him, and hopefully Be'ezus Hashem Bekar of Mamish, he's going to come back down here, together with all those up there that are coming back down here to celebrate in the coming of Mashiach. Tonight's subject is Mashiach. In uh, as much as this week's parsha begins the kingdom of the Jewish people, when Yaakov Avinu promises his son Yehuda, when he gives the blessings to his children, Yaakov Avinu selects Yehuda and bestows upon him the gift of kingship, of monarchy. As we're soon going to see the Pasuk for it. So, he tells him over there that um, the, the, the kingship will never depart from Yehuda, and he says, At Shiloh, until Shiloh will, will come. Shiloh is Mashiach. Shiloh, that the kingship belongs to him. Mashiach will come. As I mentioned in my, our daily video of today, that for Jews throughout all the generations, this was like echoing in our ear, Ad, until, oy, that far away day when Yavo Shiloh and Shiloh will come. And kingship will return to its rightful owner. But the truth is that we have reached that point now. We're holding right now at the time of Yavo Shiloh. It's no more a, a distant thing. Yavo Shiloh right now. And in preparation for that, we see that all all powers of memshala, of governorship, are disintegrating. In Eretz Yisrael, in Israel, it goes without saying. The government, remember, it was one year, just two years ago, it was just, they put it, every time they had elections and it just wouldn't work. I've tried elections again and it wouldn't work. They couldn't put together a government. So we thought, oh, you know, the last time, I didn't believe they'll ever put it together. But then they put it together, put together some kind of a government and, all right, it was a whole deal, the two of them, Netanyahu and Gans, together they're going to make a government. But being that the time has come for all governments to end and all leadership to end and all dominion to end, and the dominion and the leadership is going to go and is now already in the hands of Moshiach Tzadkenu, so everything is not sticking. It's like putting, trying to put something together without screws, you know, so it's an assembly, or even if you do have the screws, but the screws don't have um, grooves or whatever they call, they're not, they're not, they're not holding. It, it comes apart, falls apart. Now it's clear, the government of Israel has tried and tried, and again it collapsed. It's in Israel, the United States um, elections. I'm still hoping for miracles, but what we do see over here is that. It, 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 let's just say it's questionable everything that happened in this past election, meaning the legitimacy and so on and so forth. And that's not my union to discuss that right now. But um, so, and we, so whatever, if there is going to be any kind of governorship over here, let me just put it simple it's not going to last long. There's nothing real to it, there is nothing substantial to it. Might even be that the whole thing is just a big lie. Might be. I, 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 I don't. 
I'm not till we see the absolute evidence, or you can say you look online and you see all this evidence. Could be. Could be. I'm, I'm not judging that. I, wanna go, I don't want to go there. What I do want to say is that could be the whole thing is fraudulent, that it's very core, and even if it does have some kind of a basis, not based on fraud, it's also not going to last. News coming out of Russia that Putin is sick, he's yagging, he's giving over his leadership, he's not. Every power is kind of, it's like, you know, people are losing the reins because governorship is going over to Mashiach. Now is the time for us without a shadow of a doubt, and I'm saying this especially as a preparation for Yud Shvat, the upcoming day when the Lubavitcher Rebbe became Rebbe. It's a very, very powerful day. Moshiach is referred to as Vakam Shevet Me Yisrael. It's connected to Chodesh Shvat, a leader, a ruler. Vayaser Shevet Me Yehuda, Shevet Shvat. A force of dominion from Yehuda as it comes to Yud Shvat. This particular time is when all of our hearts and souls need to be directed to the true Melech, Melech HaMashiach, and his dominion. So I'd like to focus on that Pasuk, on Layasr Shevet Me Yehuda, and discuss a little bit. We touched on these points already in the past, various different classes, some of them during Mashiach decoded. In general, and I think there were a few classes on the subject of Malchus, of kingship, of Jewish monarchy, and the ultimate kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of Mashiach. However, in today's class, um, we'll elaborate on some, some of these ideas, and um, definitely not doing justice to the subject. There is so much to talk, and um, with Hashem's help, something will come out, some clarity today. Um, we know what we declare and we say all the time, David Melech Yisrael Chai V'Kayim. That David, King David, the king of Israel, is alive, V'Kayim, and he is standing. Interesting, so that means that there is a, a continuity for, for, for David Melech's kingship. Not that he will one day come back, but that he's currently alive. David, Melech Yisrael, and obviously the question is, King David died. And he lived for 70 years and he passed away. You can go to his burial site in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim. What is the statement? And obviously it connects also to the idea of Yaakov, Avinu, Loi Meis, that we say that Yaakov doesn't die, and this week in the parish it says he died, but then you say we didn't die. But there's, we all understand that there is something in Torah, very strong, Nitzchios, Malchus, based David. There is a certain Nitzchios, a, a, a eternity to the kingdom of of David HaMelech, out of the household of David. And that the king from, 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 this is one lineage of kings that will never ever, that will never come to an end. We've watched different lineages, different monarchies, different kingdoms that, that were very powerful. Many of them lasted for many generations. The kings, various different kings of the big, of the countries, like French kings, the German kaisers, the Russian czars, and so on and so forth. Then they withered away. The United Kingdom still has somewhat of a remnant left over of this, uh, the Queen of England. Doesn't have much power in terms of political power, but still, uh, still a, a recognized entity. 
But again, it's not a powerful force. All other kingdoms in terms of kings, maybe in some, some countries in the Middle East or Far East or whatever, there's still a king of Morocco and so on and so forth, some, some element of kingship, but most of them don't really exist in any meaningful way. But we're told that the kingdom of Yehuda, we say it, the kingdom of Yehuda, the tribe of Yehuda, the kingdom of King David, that's forever. And not only is it forever, but it's going to actually appear in all of its glory and all of its strength in a way that we've never seen a king before, in its majestic beauty and influence, global influence. And, and this is going to be the leader for all of time. And Mashiach, who is a descendant of David. But it's based on a promise that begins in this week's Torah portion, when Yaakov is, is blessing his children. So let's see the actual words of the promise. This is in Perek Memtes. Um, Pasuk Yud. So the Torah says, La Yasser Shevet Me Yehuda. The ruling power, the scepter will never depart from Yehuda, and the lawgiver, from between his feet. At Ki until Mashiach comes. And to him all the, all the nations will gather. So the, our great-grandfather Jacob, Yaakov on his deathbed, blessing his children, is, is selecting one of the sons, Yehuda, and he's telling him, kingship is yours, and it will never, ever end. It will be, go on forever and ever and ever. That's the blessing. In the Haftorah that we say, um, the blessings we say for the Haftorah, every single Shabbos, we're all familiar. With these words, Ki b'shem katshecha nishbaita Because in your holy name, you, you have given an oath, you have sworn to him. To who? To King David. That his flame will never be extinguished. That means his kingdom will never be extinguished. This is for all of eternity, forever and ever and ever. Book of Tehillim, in Psalms, chapter 89. Achas Nishbati, this is chapter 89, verse 36. Let me read first earlier, verse 30. Vesamti lo'ad zaroi, I will place his children Forever, the Kisai and his throne, Kiyamei like the days of heaven. The days of heaven go on forever. Maybe it means the heavenly beings who live forever as opposed to earthly beings who pass away. Or it means, maybe it means the days that the heaven stands forever. So too, his throne is going to be forever. The, the verse says before that, Lo'olam, forever, Eshmer I will guard for him, chasti my kindness. 
Ubrisi and my covenant Nemenes Loy is trusted, is uh, my covenant shall remain true to him. It's a covenant. And then it goes on to say, even if the Jewish, even if the, the descendants of David will misbehave, I will punish them. Hashem says again. He uses the word shavit with a stick. Ubenegayim and with afflictions, avoid on their sins. But vachasti loy offer me'imoy. My kindness, I will never. I will never. That's Lamedalad over here. Give me a second. Shall never take away my kindness from him. I will never betray my faithfulness. Pretty intense words. And then it says, continues over here. One thing I have sworn by my holiness. This is God talking. That I have sworn by my holiness. I will not cause disappointment to David. Pretty strong. We'll come back to these verses. But if there's anything that's eternal, if there's anything that's permanent, if there's anything that's lasting forever and ever, it's this dynasty. I, I'm excited about this because to this and to the kingdom of David HaMelech, that's my energy. <laughs> if I can say I'm giving over my life to something, it's to this kingdom. It's to the reestablishment of this kingdom. A lot of people want Mashiach. A lot of people are excited about all the apples and all the uh, chocolate growing on the tree and the nice time that we're going to have. We're going to learn a lot of Torah. That's nice. I want to see the king. I can't explain it, but that's, that's in my kishkes. That's in my... And my blood. I should say I'm living for my king. I want to see the revelation of King Mashiach. The glory of King Mashiach. I don't even have, I, just, I, I, I don't mind watching from a distance, but I want to see that glory. That's the glory of God's kingship revealing itself in the world. That is going to be the primary the primary experience of Mashiach. Everything else <laughs> is, is uh, commentary. Everything else is sub-details. But the core of it is the revelation of Hashem's kingship channeled and revealed through the king from the household of David. As the Rambam says, Yamud Melech Mibes David. The king from the house of, da of David will arise. So that's what we're waiting for, that's what we're looking for. The question we have, obviously, is, over here it says there's not, there won't be an interruption. Lo Yaseh, Hashem will never take away the kingship from Yehuda. And the, the kingdom of David HaMelech did end. The Gemara says it in a few different places. In the end of Masech Sota, it says that when the first base of English was destroyed, Malchus based David was interrupted. Pascha, I think the Lashon over there is. It says it's so Mesechtas Krisis. It's mentioned in a few different places. And we don't need much, I mean, when, when something says in Torah, it's more, more convincing than even 
what we perceive, but um, we know there were from the descendants of David the Melech there were fifteen generations. David Shlomo going on, I think uh, Tzitkiyo was the fifteenth generation. So fifteen generations of kings, and that was the last king. Once the first temple was destroyed, the Jews went to exile. They returned in the second temple. They did not have a king. For most of the period, they didn't have any king. And then there was a nice chunk of time in which they did have a king, but it wasn't from the house of David. It was from the uh, Kohanim. It was the Hashmanayim who established the kingdom. So, and then since then, we don't have a king for thousands of years. So what happened with this promise? Well, Yasser Shevet Meyehud, it will never depart, it will never go away. It's a problem. So the commentaries say as follows. I'll start with Nachmanides. Ramban says, it doesn't mean that it will never ever stop this kingdom. Because if it says, we have a contradictory verse. It says, Hashem will lead you and your king. Yeah, that king will be the king of David. It was Tzitkiyahu HaMelech. Who, that, that, that king will be appointed. God will drive him out of the land, to a, land, to a nation that you don't know, you and your parents. And obviously, once we're in exile, there's no kingship anymore. What kind of monarchy is this when the king is in exile? We know that with Tzitkiyo, they gored his eyes out. I mean, there was none, the whole thing was dismantled. And they and their king are in, are in exile. So they don't have any more a king, visarim, and ministers. Nachmanides asked the question, many days there is no kingship amongst the Jewish people. The Navi, meaning Yaakov Avinu, speaking words of prophecy over here, would, is not predicting to the Jewish people that they're never going to be taken into captivity once we have a king from the tribe of Yehuda. That would be a false prophecy. Avol and Yona, what does it mean? Nachmanides says, Shalom Yasser Shevet Me Yehuda El Echod Me Echov. The kingdom of Yehuda will never ever be given over to one of his brothers. So Ramban is saying it doesn't mean that it will last forever. It just means that it won't. It will not leave the tribe of Yehuda and be given over to another tribe. Before Yehuda was appointed as king, which is the before King David was selected, David HaMelech was selected, there was a king from another tribe. The first king of the Jewish people was from the tribe of Benjamin, from, from Binyamin. King Saul, Shaul HaMelech, he was not from the tribe of Yehud. That's why Nachmanides says later, Yaakov Avinu doesn't say there will only be a king from Yehud. He says it won't depart, meaning once it's established, it will never be relocated to anybody else. That's what he says. Kimalchus Yisrael Because the Malchus of the Jewish people that rules over the Jewish people, a Jewish king, once David Amelech is king, will only be from the Jewish people. And therefore, the fact that it was canceled and um, 
seemingly come to an end, um, that's not a problem. doesn't say ever that that won't happen. It just means that it won't be given to anyone else. And that is to assume if, if all kingdoms, kingship is canceled amongst the Jewish people, there's no one else, then God forbid that could continue forever. But that's not true. Because kingship is going to return to Israel. And when it's going to return, it's going to return back to its rightful owner. And that is the descendants of King David. But let's see his words first. Another one of, his, uh, uh, one of his brothers will not rule over him. And then also he continues. It says, the first says, and a lawgiver, according to the Ramban Nachmanides, a lawgiver over here doesn't mean a Torah scholar. A lawgiver means someone who has the authority of kingship to, 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 to enact laws. That authority and that kind of kingship, which is a, a force of a king, which holds, as he, the, Ram, the Ramban says, uh, someone that holds the tabas hamelech, that has the, uh, the, the signature, the seal of the king, will always be from Yehuda. Okay. He will rule and he will command over Israel, and to him will be the seal of kingship. But then, there's another, there's another element to this promise. Number one, there won't be any, anyone else ruling over the Jewish people once the Davidic kingdom is established. Number two, the kingdom will eventually return. And to him all the nations will gather. That means there will be a day when this kingship will become global. And the kingdom of the Jewish people will encompass the entire, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of King David will encompass the entire world. He will do with everyone the way he wishes. V'zauhu, let's see where it continues. V'zauhu HaMashiach. And that's Mashiach. Fine. Okay, then he mentions the idea that I told you about Shaul HaMelech, that even though Shaul was king, that's why it says, Lo Yasser, fine. He explains why. I mean, if the empire and kingship belongs to Yehuda, why was it that God initially gave that kingship to a foreigner, to, meaning to someone who's not from the tribe of Yehuda, gave it to Bin Binyamin? So he says that was a particular situation because to initiate the kingdom, it came about through something that was a little undesirable even though it's a commandment that the Jewish people should appoint a king, and had the Jewish people approached the appointment of the king, their monarch, their leader, in a way that would have been desirable, then God would have given them immediately the chosen king. And that would have been from king from the tribe of Yehuda. He would have immediately selected the ultimate king. But because their their desire for a king, they initiated kingship with the wrong intentions in a way that God felt as Shmuel, as Hashem tells Shmuel Anavi, that the people rejected you and they rejected me by rejecting you, they rejected me. There's a certain sense of they don't want the, a, a dominion coming from Hashem. They wanted to have just a human king, not really connected to the, 
channels above. They wanted an earthy king. Um, and that was wrong. They said, we want a king like all the nations. And, and, and so again, the, 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 um, the inspiration, the, the, what, what provoked at that time kingship was an unhealthy start. It wasn't a good start. Hashem didn't want to give them their real king. So he therefore gave them Dafka, not from Shevet Yehuda, because it was started off with the left foot. So he gave them a different king. He was Shaul was a great man at Tzaddik. But you see, it's, it's, it germinated in a not a good way and it didn't have a, a good ending. Shaul ended up making a mistake, losing the kingdom, and that was it. And only after that, now came time for the real king. That's what Ramba, Ramban basically says. Now, but now you have a question. This is all good regarding the kings that happened before, before King David. It was Shaul and actually his son too, Ishbosheth, was another king of a very short period of time. Until David HaMelech really became the full-fledged king over the Jewish people. Um, but the Ramban's question is, what's with, um, after two generations of David HaMelech's kingship, the, 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 the kingdom of the Jewish people split and there was a breakaway. And we know there was the kingdom of the ten tribes. So there were two kingdoms amongst the, in, in the Jewish people. The, the descendant of King David at that time, his name was Rechavam, the son of Shlomo, the grandson of King David, Shlomo Melech's son. He was the king over Yehuda and one other tribe, Binyamin. And all the other ten tribes were under the, another king called Yeravam, from the tribe of Ephraim, the children of Yosef. And he ruled the Jewish people, him and his descendants, for many generations. There was a, was a split in the kingdom, two kingdoms. How does it fit with Ramban's interpretation? Once he's king, the kingdom, will, no one else will rule. So here are the words of the Ramban. When there were kings from other tribes, whoever ruled after King David, they were actually transgressing the words of the Father. So it was, so then you, then you have to say that what, what, um, Ramban, what the Ramban understands um, Yaakov Avinu's prophecy as kind of a command and a prophecy. He's, he's, he's instructing his children that don't do this. In other words, King David is supposed to be your only king. Him and his descendants. Shouldn't be anybody else. Those who tried something else transgressed. So they, they literally, in actuality, they put, they put a king. But, it, but, but, but it, it was incorrect. Now, from the very fact that there remained a, 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 a we're soon going to see this on a much deeper level, a king all the time. As long as there was this other empire, there was always a king also in Jerusalem from uh, David HaMelech's descendants. Always. This entire period. Is because of this promise. The rulership will never. The fact that some people are, or some tribes of Israel are pledging allegiance to another king, they're actually doing wrong. And that's not fitting for the Jewish people. 
problem, however, is there was a Navi who instituted that. His name was Achia Hashiloni, the great Rebbe of Eliyahu Navi. Achia Hashiloni. And he was the one who actually was sent by God, he was acting as a prophet, to punish the kings of David HaMelech. God got upset at King Solomon, at Shlomo HaMelech. Because Shlomo HaMelech wasn't exactly uh, behaving the way God expected him to behave. I mean, if you look in the Chumash, in the Navi itself, it's, it seems to be like really bad. He was serving idols and so on and so forth, but the commentaries explain that it wasn't him. He just, he married all these women and some of the women were doing these things and he did not protest and he let them do it and that's considered as if he himself was serving idols. So the Navi, so God tells Shlomo Melech that you should know that I'm going to tear the empire away from you. But not from you, out of respect to your father. Not from you. I'm going to wait to the next generation. From your son. Then we have a whole story in the Navi. We're going to read a little bit more. A little, uh, we're going to get to that soon. Where Achia Shaloni comes and he meets Shlomo HaMelech's a servant from Shlomo HaMelech who actually rebelled against his master. And he tells him that I, I am now a prophecy from God, and I mean, he did even a certain sign with him, he ripped his garments into 12 pieces, and he gave him 10 of them, and he said, you are now going to become the king over 10 tribes. So it's coming from a prophet. So, you can't, so the Ramban says, interesting, he says, the, 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 the Jewish, the people in the 10 tribes were relying on he was the one who appointed Yeravam. I'm, I'm going to inflict, Hashem was telling this, the Navi was telling it to um, Yeravam, I'm inflicting, I'm punishing the descendants of David because of their sins. But it's not going to be forever. But you see, that it was, it wasn't, you can't say it was just a sin that the Jewish people did, that they pointed other kings. Oh, but, Ramban says, true, but that was supposed to be very short. That was supposed to be a short interruption in the kingdom of David. As a particular kind of momentary lapse, because they needed to be punished. But when they turned this into its own dynasty, and they continued having kings, Mishar Ashvatim, Melech Achamelech, king after king. Yehuda, they did not return to the Malchus of Yehuda. Nachmanides says they actually transgressed the commandment of their grandfather. They were punished. They were punished for what they did. Like it says, Hoshea says, Hemem Lichu. Not for me. God says it didn't come for me. They're, they crowned the king. So it seems like there was somewhat of a legitimacy to that kingship, but only short. But when it went on for generations, actually until the demise of the ten tribes, until they were uh, driven out of the land, never to be heard of. Till now. Now they, we know that Israel, some Jews came back, called B'nai Menashe. 
all signs of the coming of Mashiach when the gathering of the exiles and come from all over, including the ten tribes. I'm not uh, giving over here my opinion whether this is verified that they're really B'nai Ben I don't know. Um, but in any case, oh, but now Nachmanides continues, and just like the Jews sinned when they made a king, other kings, and they continued to, to, to establish kings outside of the family of David HaMelech, he says also the Hashmenoi kings, much later, in the time of the second temple, after the revolt against the Assyrian Greeks, and when they went out and they appointed kings, there too they made the same devastating mistake. They won the war, they needed, they, they, they were the heroes, but they should have never established themselves an empire, a kingdom. They were the priests. They should have remained dedicated to their priestlyhood and leave the governorship alone. It should never have been them. He says, We're talking about the Hashmenoyim. They were of the highest level of piety. They were the highest Hasidim. They were the most righteous of people. Had they not risen at that time, had God not, I mean, they, had they not stood up with their unbelievable heroism, Matisyao and his sons, the, that, that family, literally, they would have been wiped out Torah from the Jewish people because the Greeks, the, the powerful um, um, ins, um, insertion of Greek um, culture into the Jewish people and this f powerful, f forceful um, um, eradication of observance from the Jewish people that, that everybody was scared to contest and to fight against, that people were literally being killed in the most horrific, torturous ways, was going was gonna to end Jewish practice. It was going to completely snuff it out. These people actually saved. And they were tzaddikim. Well, Afa became Nenchu Oynish God, the whole family was wiped out. And the Rikiyarbas Bnei Hashmenoi Azaken, Achasidim Amoychem Zachazeh, this great family. With all their might and all their success, they all were killed. And in the end, even their descendants, the entire family, was no remnants from them. As the Gemara says in Masechtas Baba Basra that he brings, anybody that says that I am a descendant from Hashmenoi, you should know that he's not even a legitimate Jew. He's from the family of, he's, he's, a, he's a slave. Because it was one of the slaves of the Hashmenoi Kim that, that, that rebelled against, uh, killed out the family and appointed himself king. whatever. So if someone says he comes from that family, it's because he's not from them. And he says that, that, that all the descendants of Matasyo, the 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 tzaddik, did not die, did not get lost. It was for this reason. They had no right to do that. They 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 took kingship for themselves, and they were not from the descendants of Yehuda, Umi Beis David, and from the family of David. Pretty intense. They removed the dominion of Yehuda. And 
they were punished measure for measure. What happened to them? A slave from their house killed them out and, and took over their kingdom. Why? Because that's what they did. We're all servants. All of Israel, the Jewish people, are subjugated to the, to, the, to the royal family. And when they took kingship, it's the concept of, um, of a servant rebelling against his master. Okay. And it goes on and on. I'm not going to get into all of this, but I do want to read one more very important line. And therefore, Ramban says a little later, because this is so, but you can, but after, the Pasuk seems to describe that what, because after everything we just said, it still doesn't fit with what we said earlier that there's a prophecy over here. There's a prediction. This is, Yaakov Avinu has the Spirit of God dwelling upon him, the Shekhinah is dwelling upon him when he's blessing his children. He's speaking prophetic words. So you're saying they're not listening. Very good, they're not listening. And they were punished. Very good. But after everything is said and done, there was, again, he's in, we asked the question, you see the empire ended. It will come back one day. But for the time being, it was interrupted. For that he said, it doesn't say that won't happen. That's not part of the prophecy. There won't be a foreign ruler of the, uh, over the Jewish people. Anybody else that's not from Shem. But even that, we see didn't really happen. So what do we say? They sinned. Yeah, but there's a prophecy that it won't happen. So here he's answering that. And what does he say? He says, Even if the Jewish people appoint upon themselves a king from other tribes, if it's needed, like the Hashemites were, you know, that time they were needed, just for their, vic, you know, or any other time, the rule is, you don't anoint them. We don't put on them the special anointing oil which you anoint the king. Why? They should not have upon them the glory of kingship. They're like the judges. In other words, they have governorship. They have... Um, a uh, certain kind of a police uh, 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 an authority. But it's just like a judge or a some other kind of governor. It's not a kingship. It's not a real monarchy. They don't have hoid malchus. doesn't exist in any other king. And that's a very, very, very important line. The idea of hoid malchus. But let's save that for later. There's a sefer called Shnei Luchai Sabris, very famous from the, known as the Shalah HaKadosh. So he's a great 16th century, no, 17th century Kabbalist. Rabbi Yeshaya Horowitz. And uh, he has... Part of one of his Sfarim, part of the Sefer Shnei Luchas Abris, is called Torah Torah Shabiksav, Beis Yaakov, the section that's on this part of Parshas Vayechi, goes through the Parshios, and he has a little commentary 
on this pasuk of Liyasa Shevet Miyehuda. He brings first Nachmanides, because again, he's bothered by that question. He brings Nachmanides, what we just read. Then he continues, he brings Rabbeinu Bachaya, and then he brings Vederech Rashi. And he brings what Rashi says. Now Rashi has, what does Rashi say? Rashi also seems to be bothered by the question. What does he mean, Lo Yasser Shevet Yehuda, from David and on? And Rashi says, this will continue all the time. Because Elu Rashi Goli even during the time when we don't have a temple. But the Jewish people had a ruler that had authority during the time when Jews were in Babylonia. This is even talking about when Jews were in Babylonia after the destruction of the second temple. There was an institution called Rashi Golios. And this was someone who was appointed by the Gentile king who gave legitimacy to a Jewish ruler and that was called Reish Gelusa. This Reish Gelusa was always from the descendants of Yehuda. I mean, we're not talking about a full-fledged king because Jews don't have an empire anymore. They're under a foreign governor but within it's like a, a, a it, it has its own, it's not autonomous because they, they were under the, the uh, kingship and authority of, but within the Jewish community, they had authority, they had a police, and they were able to punish. They had a, a force, it wasn't just rabbinic in a sense. It was a, of course it was people that were great scholars and so on and so forth, but yet they had had actually a governorship, a mini-governorship. So Rashi is saying that even in the time when there is no empire anymore, it's time of exile, you should know that even then, so he's learning different than Nachmanides. Nachmanides is saying that what? That could be by the exile, it's interrupted the kingdom, the kingdom of Yehuda. It, it comes to an end. It's just that it's going to return. But it could be a, suspended for a while. When it says lo yasir, what does it mean it won't depart? Lo yasir, don't depart, means that there will never be another king that will rule over them. Rashi is learning differently. That no, it will continue. That even a mini kingdom will come from Shevet Yehuda. And Mechokik Mibain Raglov is referring to Nesiei Eretz Yisrael. These are the leaders of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Also not kings. That the appointment in the time of the second temple, there was the time of like Hillel was the Nasi, was the head of the rabbinic of the Sanhedrin. So all these positions were always filled, like Hillel was from Shevet Yehuda, Rabbi Gamliel, that whole lineage, all from Yehuda. And eventually it became Rabbeinu HaKadosh, the author of the Mishnah, who could have been Mashiach, as the Gemara says, from Shevet Yehuda. And then until Mashiach comes, fine. But then the Yeshua asks, um, and then there are those heretics who laugh all of this off. And they say, you don't even have this. Who do he say? He questions. People ask the question. 
Even this little minor king you don't have. You don't, not only do you have a king, you don't even have a king Aleh, a little king. A small little king you don't even have today's days. The Heiner Russia Gully is going to seem that too was canceled. Jews later became scattered all amongst the nations without any central authority figure that had actual dominion and, 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 and some kind of a governing power over them. They don't understand what the sages are saying. They're not understanding that the sages mean something deeper. And their riddles. And their, and their um, sweet um, 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 metaphors. What does it mean? It doesn't necessarily have to mean someone with governing, actual governing power. It means great people and chashuvim, important people. Um, when Rabbi Gamliel was the Nasi, he showed on certain people and he said, these people are loyasa shevet me Yehuda, fine. In every generation. So he says like this. There will always be throughout all of history. It will never ever be a time when it won't be this way. That there are influential people amongst the Jewish people that have an extra um, um, they, have a, they have a certain um, charisma and 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 leadership um, skills that 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 manifests in in leadership amongst the Jewish people, and at many many times he says they're actually recognized by the government as well, and they if they they are they're they're given certain they're given certain recognition and certain access to the to the various different monarchs or kings or governor powers that there are in. But he says they find themselves in different places, won't necessarily be in the same place. They could be at certain times in Spain, like you had Rabbi Yehuda HaNagid, or, and, and these various different people, maybe Abarbanel, or people like that. We know they were close to the kings. They were, I'm not sure Abarbanel is from the tribe of Yehuda. I'm, I'm just giving an example. The Nimtzul Pa'amim Be'ezum Medina Medina, he says there are in certain countries, Anoshim Chashuvim Bachatzar Melech. People, Jews, that were recognized in the courts of kings. The Noisim Chain, and they have a certain charm, Be'enei HaMelech, in the eyes of the king Vasarim. Ozai Nemar Bivadai. And definitely we will say without a question, even if they don't have with, in their pocket, a a uh, genealogy uh, document that will trace them back to Yehuda, we can assure that if these people have reached such an elevated state amongst the Jewish community, it's because they have this inner charisma that they received from David. Elohim Yehuda, they're from Yehuda. And as the prophecy of Yaakov Avinu might be right now manifesting itself, in something very, very minor. <laughs> Before we spoke a king, and now we spoke about a king Aleh, a small king, like the heads of the... And this is not even a king Aleh, you know? <laughs> it's not even a mini king. But it's... It's someone that has some, some, some royal features to them. And it's recognized, obviously, amongst his, his and her brethren, but it's even recognized 
to the, to the Gentiles. And they, they see in them these leadership qualities and they, and they bestow upon them power, or even if it's not real power, but it's influence through them and so forth. It's in every generation. There will always be higher people or important people from the tribe of Yehuda. If they're not in this empire, they're in another kingdom. And even though in our great sins, he says, we don't have the eyes to be able to see every person from which tribe they come from. God keeps his promise. Hashem does know who is from Shevet Yehuda, who's carrying the royal blood, who has the seed of David inside of him. From Yehuda will never ever go away leadership. Whether it will be big leadership, whether it be a great dominion, like Tana or a small one. Or very, very, very small. It will be here, it will be present within the world forever until Mashiach comes. And then it will suddenly explode. It will expand exponentially till it will become the ultimate permanent world power. So it might dwindle. According to the Shlach Kaddish, it might dwindle down to a tiny little, little seedling, which has, it always will have some kind of recognition. It will always have some kind of a manifestation. We're not dealing with something that goes into complete dormant state. A complete, you know, someone who might have it potentially in his soul of souls. It will always be visible to a certain degree. In other words, it has to be memshallah, it has to be kingship. It has to be a, some kind of a, of a, governors, a governorship. It carries through, through, through as it might fluctuate and get more expanded and less at various different times. But eventually, bang. It will become so big that and to him, it will manifest in the greatest way that all the nations will gather to him. This is the Shlach Kodesh. Okay. So to understand this a little better, what does this really mean? This continuity of the seed of David, of the of Malchus of Yehuda that's continuing out through the generations. We have to look at the laws of kings in Rambam, okay? Maimonides, we discussed Rashi, we discussed Nachmanides, Shalah Kadush. Okay, let's take a look at Rambam. Because he is the codifier of law, particularly when it comes to Mashiach. And to, um, so what does the Rambam say? Rambam says, chapters of kings, we discussed this Rambam a few times already in previous classes. This is the last section in Maimonides called Hilchus Malachim, the Laws of Kings. Perek Risha in the first chapter. And uh, Halacha Zion, the seventh halacha. 
So the Rambam says, number one, Kishem Amidin Amelech, when we appoint a king, we appoint him with anointing oil. Uh, like we see, Shmuel did, Samuel, he took the Espach Hashem and he took the jug of oil, the Yitzhak Arosha, he poured it on his head. Whenever you appoint a king and he gets anointed, it's not just a, an appointment for a short period of time. It's not even like when they appoint someone to the Supreme Court that it's an appointment for life. It's an appointment for them and their children and their grandchildren. So any king that gets anointed with this anointing oil, which would include even King Saul, that when he was anointed, he, he, his anointment would carry over to his children. Like we see that for, for, for a little bit of time, you know, uh, Ishboshesh was king. And it should go over to his grandchildren. Had there not been something that caused the Navi to come to, uh, you know, Shaul was instructed with certain instructions, he didn't fulfill it, and the ripening out of Amalek. So the Navi came to him and said, God has torn the kingdom away from you. And so Hashem came and interrupted that kingdom. But the kingdom itself should continue on forever. Shanaimar, and he brings a pasuk, Laman Yarech Yomim Amamlachtoi. That he that the that when it's speaking about a Jew, the king, that he should be Yarich Yamim, his he should have longevity in his kingdom. Who? Him? Ubanov and his children, the care of Yisrael. The Pasuk in, in Parshas, I think, Shoftim. Now the king should his kingdom should extend and continue for for a long time. Now, and therefore it continues on, his children, grandchildren, and so forth. It's an inheritance. Heniach ben Cotton. Now, what happens if he passes away, the king, and all he has is a minor child? So, guess what? We're not going to have a king for a couple of years until they, we don't give it to someone else. It's an inheritance. It belongs to this child. The kid will grow up. He'll, he'll be the king. But meanwhile, we guard the kingdom for him. This is we wait till he grows up. And he brings like yo 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 did that to Yoash. Okay. And Ramam continues and he says, I'm not gonna go through all of it. Ramam says it's not only kingship that is that way, but any appointment that we appoint amongst the Jewish people is an appointment that goes over inheritance. Um, but there's a condition. The condition is that the child has to be worthy in wisdom and in fear of God. He has to be a candidate. If he's totally not a candidate because he's not a God-fearing person, he's not a moral person. Morality, according to Torah, is being God-fearing. And he's not, doesn't have, uh, the, 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 he's not a wise person or doesn't have the Torah knowledge, then uh, he, he's, he's not going to be able to take, he can't claim this, this inheritance is... Is not uh, is not given over. Yeah, here we Anybody that doesn't have is not God fearing, even if he has a lot of wisdom. But if he's not God fearing, so we don't appoint him at all for any type of kingdom, for any type of uh, appoint appointments. Fine. 
Then Maimonides continues and he says, again, this is all part of this halacha, where Ramam already establishes that when we anoint someone, then the anointment is to him and to his children, it goes on forever. That's, that's any king that's anointed with the real anointing oil. And there was only one other king besides David that got anointed with anointing oil, and that was Sholomelech. But Ramam again says, any king. But then Ramam says, once David was anointed, David HaMelech was Zeicha, he merited Keser Malchus, the crown of King David. Simply it means, that which Rambam says earlier could be given to other kings before David HaMelech. And it was given, it was given to Shaul. But once it was handed down to David, he acquired it. And what? The kingdom belongs to him and to his male descendants, Hakshirim, those that are kosher, which means those that are, are fitting for, for being a king, which means they're righteous people. Ad olam forever. Your throne will stand forever. But Ramam is a condition. That even though he inherited kingship for all of eternity, it's only for the kosher children, as we mentioned earlier. Kosher meaning not kosher by birth, kosher in terms of their behavior. Shanamar, as, as it says, he's quoting the verse that I said to you until him earlier, where Hashem promises King David's eternal kingdom, that it's conditioned, if your children will keep my covenant. Now Rama makes an interesting statement. Even though he was only Zoha, he was only merited to those that are kosher, still, and, and we can say what happens hypothetically if all the descendants of David HaMelech are corrupted. No, David HaMelech still has a promise. What's his promise? That the kingship will never ever be cut away from him forever. It might be that there's no one worthy now, and therefore it might be interrupted, but it will not be forever. God promised him this. Even if your children will forsake my covenant. And again, he's quoting all from chapter 89 in Psalms and Tehillim. And in my statues or in my mishpatai, my, my, my laws, they won't go. I will inflict upon them with my staff for their sins. And with afflictions of on their sins. But my kindness I will never desecrate. I will never um, offer. I will never uh, discard. Or I will never uh, uh, break it. Okay. So in other words, what is he saying? Uh, it, it might, there might be a problem, but it won't be forever. It has, to turn, it has to return. Okay. So what needs to be understood, I'll stop right now over here, is that the Ramam seems to be saying there's something more by King David than there is earlier. Because by Davana Melech, um, I mean, if the Ramam said already earlier that any person who is anointed with Shem and Amishcha, with, with the anointing oil, and that person then becomes now a king, 
and it's not just for himself, it's for all of his, it's all of his descendants. So why does after Rambam have to repeat the same thing by David the Melech? That it's going to be for his children and grandchildren and forever. What is being added over here? Yeah, we know, he said already earlier, that the Malchus is Yerusha. And since by David it was never torn away from him and given to anybody else, yeah, so it's going to go on and on and on for David. It seems like by David there's something much deeper over here. More than the regular Yerusha, the regular inheritance that's being over for any king that goes over, any king that was anointed that goes over to the, to the children. It's also interesting that by the, by, 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 he doesn't say when a king is anointed, he, he, he inherits Keser Malchus, the crown of kingdom. And, he will, and therefore, it goes, once he merits it, it will go on to his children forever. He doesn't say that. He only says that by David Amela. He's with the crown of kingdom. And as a derivative of that, it goes on to his children forever. So we need to understand what's this emphasis. Now, this is also important. Rambam, the next law, is addressing that which we discussed earlier from the Nachmanides. What is, happens with this? He just mentioned that David is going to be the king forever. So what happened with the time period after King David, as we speak about the grandchild, the third generation of the Davidic kingdom, where the kingdom split? And there were, besides the king of David Amelech, there was another king. There was the Malchi Yisrael, the kings over the ten tribes. What's the legitimacy of that kingdom? Does it have legitimacy? Is it even a king? Or is there no king? So Nachmanides seems to be saying that what? Maybe for, that for a short period of time, yes, it was Apinavi. Afterwards, it was sinful. And Nachmanides kind of says, seems to be implied that we don't anoint those kings. And because we don't anoint them, they're not really, they don't have hoid malchus. They don't have glory of kingdom. What are they like? They're a shoiftim. They're a ruler. They're not a small ruler. They're a ginormous ruler, a big ruler, a powerful ruler, one that's kind of equal to a king. But it's only a ruler. It's not, it's not kingship. That's what Ramban says. Rambam argues in Perik Ches over here. I mean, not directly arguing on Nachmanides, but seems to have a different approach. Rambam says, Nom Novi Shehemed Melech. It's notwithstanding what we just said now, that David Melech has the Malchus forever, a Novi, a different a, a prophet that comes, that appoints a king, Mishar Shifte Yisrael, from the other tribes of Israel, as we see, and Ramam is going to quote it in a moment, that Achia Ashiloini, who was a Novi, comes and was um, appointed a king from the other tribes. And that king providing that that, again, if a Navi, a prophet comes and appoints a king, and that king is um, going in the ways of Torah and mitzvahs, the Nilcham Muhammad Hashem, and he fights battles for God. Hareza Melech, Ramam says he is a king. And all the laws of kingdom apply to him. He's a melech and he has laws of kings. So the Rambam sees him as a true king. But that again, that, that seems to be different than what we said before from Nachmanides, from Ramban. Rambam says he's a melech. But Rambam put, puts a very strong emphasis. Even though the main malchus 
is Davids. So now it gets a little problematic. So what's going on over here? The main Malchus is Davids where even during the time that the other king is a king, the main Malchus is by David. But David's kingdom has been interrupted. It's not. So Ramam says, wait, 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 hold it. It wasn't completely interrupted. The Yemi Ban of Melech, because David's descendants will continue to be kings. Shaharei, Achi Ashaloini, Hamid Yeravam. Because the Navi, Achi Ashaloini, put up Yeravam. That's both. The Shaharei is a proof for two things. Number one, it's a proof that you could appoint a king outside of the Davidic kingdom. To some degree, as we'll see soon. But also, that Iker HaMalchus, the main Malchus, remains for David. And that David's king, children hold on to the reins of leadership and of kingship. How do you see that? Because Achiyashaloni, when he appointed Yeravam, he said to him, When you will listen to all that I command you, I'm going to build you a trustworthy house. I built him an empire. I will build you also an empire. Avdi. But Achia continues saying to him, But to the son of David, of Shlomo Melech, and so forth, even though I'm giving you kingship, I will leave one tribe to be under his, under his dominion, which is the tribe of Yehuda. His own tribe will always remain his. So that will continue a king. Near means a king. As Mepharshim explained, we're soon going to see, maybe if we're going to get to it, uh, near has a different meaning. So there should remain a near. Ledavid avdi kolayamim lefanai. All the days before me, and here's an important word, Yerushalayim. And where is that going to be? In Jerusalem. So there is a certain con continuity to the Malchus based David. It has to continue at least with one tribe. The Farshim explained that when it says it will be one tribe, that even though it wasn't only one tribe, it was two tribes. It was the tribe of Benjamin as well, together with the tribe of Yehuda, Binyamin and Yehuda. And the reason why Binyamin out of all, is because David's empire that, that has to last no matter what, even during the time of a might say a competitive empire, David's kingdom that has to last is in Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and since Jerusalem is a city that's primarily in the land of Jude, of Yehuda, Judah, but some of Jerusalem borders also into the land of Binyamin. It's one city, but it has two tribes in it. As we know that the Beis Amigdash was halfway. The, the, the border of Yehuda and Binyamin runs through the Beis Amigdash itself. So Binyamin has a portion. So that's why, and since the empire of, of, of in Jerusalem, there can only be one king, and that's from the tribe of Yehuda. This is his city, as we're soon going to see. It's for that reason that Binyamin is part of it, but Binyamin is considered secondary because it's mainly, it's the, the reason why Binyamin is part of this kingdom is because it's Yerushalayim and they're living in Yerushalayim also. So they're drafted along with the, with the, Malchus, with the Malchus of Yehuda. Okay. This is what Rambam says over here. But then the Rambam continues, Malchus based David in the next law, Halachatas, they're the ones that stand forever. Your throne will stand forever. But if a king is going to get up from the rest of the Jewish people, 
Tifsoi kamalchus mi beisoi. The kingdom will end from his household. Shaharei Yerova memar achloi kol So again, just like Maimonides said earlier, that um, that even if David Amelech's kingdom and empire will will have to take a break, because there is no banim hakshirim there, he was only inheriting his kingdom, his kingship, to his worthy children. If there's no worthy children, then Hashem has to punish and so on and so forth. But in the end, it's going to come back. We have the promise. To Yeravam, you have the opposite promise. When the Navi is telling Yeravam, he's telling him that what? That even if you're going to establish a kingdom, and even, let's say, uh, it's going to last for a couple of generations, in the end, it's going to have to fall apart. It's going to have to collapse. The one kingdom that's going to last forever is the Malchus of David. As he says clearly, Yeravam Memar, Achloi Kol Hayamim. Not all the days. From the initial starting of that kingdom, it's not forever. And therefore the Ramam even continues in Allah Hayyud. Because of this essential flaw in, the mal- in, in that other kingdom, it's not meant to last, it's a temporary kingdom. So because of that, you can already see that weakness in that kingdom from its very origins. That what? What's the Allah Hayyud, the 10th Allah we don't use that special oil, anointing oil. Because that, that oil is only for eternal kingdom. And since this was never meant to be eternal kingdom, but rather a temporary kingdom that might go on for quite a while, but in the end is going to disintegrate or is going to fall apart. So therefore we use, we do anoint them, but we use a different type of an oil, not that high quality oil. It's used a different type of an oil, the... Another thing, they're never appointed in Jerusalem, the king in Jerusalem has to be from the descendants of David, and therefore you don't anoint in Jerusalem only the king of David. As we see later in the story, that when uh, um, Achia HaShiloni um, anointed Yeravam, it says when, that Yeravam left the city and he was outside of Jerusalem and that's where Achi Ashiloni encountered him and he gave him this whole promise that he's going to make, that he's going to receive the kingdom. It was outside of Yerushalayim. It wasn't in Jerusalem. Jerusalem remained sacred that it belongs only to the Malchus of Beis David. Okay, this is the, this is the outline over here of what Maimonides says. So we need to understand this whole concept of how are we to look at this whole Malchi Yisrael this period of time, and it was for quite a long time, for many, you know, after the third generation, I think it, it might have been 10 kings or even more of Malchi Yisrael that continued. A long time. What is this concept of this kingdom? What is, it, what, is its, what is its legitimacy? Again, Ramban seems to say it doesn't have much legitimacy. It's a show faith. It's a judge. It doesn't have a, an Indian of Malchus to it. Rambam says they're Malachim, they're kings, and they have kol dine Malchus. They have all the the, the, the laws of kingdom to them. But we know while their kingdom is taking place, Iker HaMalchus is not by them. Iker meaning the, the core of Malchus is not by them. Always by David. And that is demonstrated by a small part of the Jewish people always remaining under the dominion of David HaMelech. At least as long as there's a competition. 
Because, as mentioned earlier, when in the time of exile, and the Jewish people are scattered all over, unless we say like the Shalah HaKadosh, that the kingship will always manifest in these small little rulers of the Jewish people that keep that, 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 that leadership going. Rambam doesn't have any, any, any statement regarding that. Um, the Malchus did end. Even though we say that what that Malchus based other has to always have a remnant, that's as, as many of the say, that is only as long as there is Malchus amongst the Jewish people, similar to what Nachmanides says. As long as there's kingship, the king has to be from David. Not to say that the kingship will never end. It will end, but then it has to come back. And that's the prophecy this week in the parsha. Atki Yavo Shiloh. When Shiloh comes, he's going to restore the Davidic kingdom. Now this idea that the Davidic kingdom has to be restored one day, it's going to come back. Maimonides speaks about that, but far later in the laws of kings, um, and that is in chapter 11, where the Rambam begins in the laws of kings of chapter 11, the king Mashiach eventually is going to get up. He's going to restore the kingdom of David. And that this kingdom has to come back. Liyoshna to its old state, to its original thing. Hamamshala Harishina, its first power. Which really also means, as we're going to see, he's going to restore it back to its original glory. Malchus based David, in its, in its prime time, was a kingdom that went all over the entire the entire of the entirety of the Jewish people, not just a section. We just mentioned that the tail end of Malchus based David became very narrow. Even in the time when the temple stood, even before the exile, it became very narrow. It only manifested over one tribe. Yet it will go back to Memshalari Shaina, will be again restored as the kingdom of all the Jews. And that's the content of the Haftorah of last week, Parshas Vayigash. Where the Haftorah is a, is a, is a prophecy to Yecheskel Anavid, to Ezekiel. What does it say to him over there? God says to him, take two staffs, put them together. One of the staffs belongs to the tribe of Joseph, of Yosef. And the, the, the ruler is coming from Yosef, which represents the Malchai Yisrael, the, 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 the kings of, from Ephraim, from Yosef. And then the other king from Judah, from Yehuda. Take these two staffs and put them together to indicate that the two empires will come back to be one again. But who's going to be king? The Avdi David, Nasi Aleyam Le'olam. And King David, my servant David, is going to be the king Melech or Melech Aleyam Le'olam or Nasi Aleyam Le'olam. Let's see what it says. Last week in the Torah, that the king Malchus of David will be forever. The Avdi David Melech Aleyam. Yeah, but what does it say earlier? Melech Echod Le'kulam. Le'melech. The David Avdi Nasi Lahem Laolam will be their leader forever. So you got both, both uh, expressions. Fine. So Ramam says this is going to be established by Melech HaMashiach. So, to, to, I mean, I really probably have another two hours to speak tonight to really um, convey everything we, I, I'd like to talk about this. Okay, I'm just, we laid out the, 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 uh, the foundations, but now to, to understand how this all comes together. 
Um, but I'm not going to speak for another two hours because I just don't have the energy and it's pretty late and I don't want to keep whoever's listening and I don't want to keep you for a long shear like that. I'm going to have to come back and complete this shear. So I'm just going to lay, I'm just going to give the point now and the complete uh, completion of this and the expansion of it to its full understanding, which is really fascinating to understand the difference between Malchus based Davin and Malchus and, 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 uh, and the kingdom of Achia Shiloini and that whole, I'm sorry, the kingdom of Yerav and Benavat and the 10 tribes and, and, and the status of Malchus based David during the Golos and also how it's sparked again and how, it, how does it come back and flourish and how do we identify that, that, that Malchus reigniting, coming back into full force, we're going to continue this class. When are we going to continue it? We'll have to figure that out. But I'm going to, as a Hashem, definitely, I mean, I am committing to, con to continuing this. We might have to wait till after Shabbos, Matzah Shabbos, or whatever, but we're going we're gonna to continue this. Okay. So now let me just give the gist of it. And that is as follows. Um, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, in one of his discourses, differentiates in kingship. He says there's three things. There is the malucha, there is the, how does he, how did he phrase it? Just give me a second. I don't remember the Hebrew words he uses, okay? So I'm, I'm uh, hopefully going to bring that to you when we get into the next class. There is the dominion itself in which he's ruling over, his actual memshala, his rulership over the people. There is his, his exaltedness, the hisnasus, his, his elevatedness over his monarchy, his elevatedness over, his, over the people. That's not, that's not actual authority. That's, not, that's that he is above them. And then there is a third thing, which is the idea of roimamus. And roimamus means inner elevation. An elevated being. A person who is Ish mirumam, a person who is essentially exalted. So there is a his exaltedness over them. That's the second level. There is his dominion, his rulership, which is the first level. His, his elevation, because he rules and they accept his rulership, he is elevated as a higher human being above them. But then there is an internal, essential Raimamus exaltedness in which he has essentially. These are, these are three elements in kingship. True, real, absolute kingship is one that originates in this, in this deeper roimamus, 
it's an, an inner exaltedness, an inner, 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 an inner um, intrinsic elevation that a certain human being possesses. It's a certain deep inner quality. And it doesn't come from the outside. It's not based on a people that elevate you, raise you above them and submit to you. Although we know of the phrase, and Hasidus, we use it a lot of times, where it says, Ein melech beloi am, there is no king without a people. So the whole notion of kingship depends on people. It depends on a community, a, 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 a nation that, that selects a person and submits themselves to that person, surrender to his will and apply or, or, or uh, appoint this individual to be their leader and give him that full dominion. And that's what creates kingship. And that's why we know that every Rosh Hashanah, we have to, God, God himself says, as God being a king, God says, um, accept my kingdom. Uh, make me king over you. Kind of that I'm not a king unless you make me king over you. That's true. But that's activated kingdom. That's not, that's not essential kingship. And let's use, look at Hashem. Although, yes, Hashem, every Rosh Hashanah, is waiting for our coronation so that He can be king. Ein melech beloyam. Again, we say that about God as well. But we also say, Adon Alam, master of the world. Asher Malach, who, who was king, who was... Beterem kol yitzur nivra, before anything was created. <laughs> nothing is created, who is He a king over? There's nothing but Him. He's king. What does that mean? God has essential elevation. It's an internal, inner, inner, intrinsic state of elevation, even if there's nothing to be elevated over. It's hard to imagine what that means. But it's, a, it's, it's an intrinsic, essential, malchus atzmes, that's what it's called. It, 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 an essential quality of kingship that's there. But we continue in Adoyin Elam. And what do we say? No, what are the words over there? At the time came, when things came into being, when the time came to make, when he desired everything, that's when he's called king. In other words, that's an actualization and a manifestation of that kingship, is that it, 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 it could be you can call him king, as you can be recognized as kingship. But the essential kingship quality is something much deeper. The fifth Chabad Rebbe, Reb Shalom Dev Ber, in his known as the Rebbe Rashab, in his Sefer, in his Maimarim series of Maimarim called Bishashe Hegdimu. Um, the f says that that's the difference between hoid malchus and hadar malchus. Hod malchus means the glory of the kingdom and hadar malchus means the splendor of the kingdom. He says splendor of the kingdom comes from the people. 
Like we know there's a Pasuk that says, Beroiv Am, with more people, the greater the, the, the kingdom, the more people are in, the greater the population, the greater the fan club. Hadras Melech is the splendor of the king. So the splendor of the king is kind of inspired by the masses. And there, of course, there is a small king and a bigger king. A small king is a, sm a king that has a small kingdom and a, and a mighty ruler and a major king has got a huge empire. That's only in Hadar Malchus. That's a type of elevation that comes from the fact that people submitted to you. That raises you up. That does make you an elevated person. You're not just... You're not an ordinary person. You have to behave differently. You naturally behave differently. But even if you don't, you have to behave differently because you are an elevated now. But generally, it does project. The people project the elevation onto the king. Hoid Malchus, he says, glory of kingdom is completely from within. Nothing to do with the outside. It is an inherent quality that is possessed in the soul of, of those who are worthy for kingship, those who are true kings, they are essentially elevated. One of essence. Based on what the Rebbe Rashab says, when you take a look in, by the way, what I'm saying today, this whole talk, there is a sefer called Yechi HaMelech, written by Rabbi Shalom Dov Ber Volpe, and this was given out in 1992, in which he did a major, major study on this whole Hilchus Malachim of Rambam, very, very, very thorough. And, and I'm gleaning from his, from his uh, writings, and he, I mean, he's taking from a lot of sources, he's bringing it all together. I didn't do all this research. He did a fantastic, very deep, um, um, thorough, scholarly work on the whole concept of kingship and all the, especially on Rambam, Hilchus Malachim, regarding to Mashiach and so on and so forth. So he made two safe svarim. One is called Yechi HaMelech, the other one is called Yechi HaMelech HaMoshiach. So this is from the first safer called Yechi HaMelech. Mashkach HaPratis had landed by me a few weeks ago because I... Someone offered me to come to their house and pick up some books, and I went through and I found this. I said, oh, that's what I wanted. So just in the last week, I'm, I'm reading, and I, I feel like I, there's much, much, much more. I only got through a couple of chapters. But I'm sharing with you some of his insights, which I think are really phenomenal. Regarding Malchus. But so he connects this with, with, with what the Rebbe Rashab says, and and uh, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's, it's really, in short, already brought in the memorandum of the Alter Rebbe, Rishnir Zalman of Liadi. This idea that there's an essential quality of kingdom, and then there is kingdom that's coming from the outside. Now, someone who is essentially a king, he's essentially elevated, then when he's actually a king, his kingdom is not an external kingdom which is coming from the people. In other words, you don't have to be someone who has essential kingdom to be a king. You could technically be a king even if you don't have this in, your soul is not a soul of a king. 
and be a, a regular soul. When people decide to make you a king and they behave towards you with all the, the, the manners of, of, of kingship and they give you authority, they give you power, that creates, as we said earlier, hadar malchus, this, this, this elevation of kings. So much so that you can have a halacha of a king. You're considered a king, even according to Torah. However, we understand that someone who is blessed with core kingship, with essential kingship, with what we call the hoid malchas, when they are also, in addition to their intrinsic internal king, kingly elements, are recognized by the people, and the people submit to them, call them the king, and he. And, 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 and also add to them what's called Hadar Malchus, the, the glory of kingdom, then their Hoid Malchus, their essential kingship that's at the core of the nucleus of their being, manifests and expresses itself in their actual kingdom. And then you can sense that this is not just another king, even if you've hung around kings and you've seen many, many courts and many kings and experienced their, their, their glory and their majesty, you would immediately notice that this is something entirely different because this is not an outer kingship projected and then bouncing back off from the people to the king. This is an intrinsic, essential kingship that's being emanating outwards. On the deepest level, this means that God Almighty, His true essential kingship, that He is a king, as we said before, without even creating the world, He's in essence a king. Hashem channels and shears, so to speak, that kingdom with this individual soul. Or let's go a little deeper than that. That neshama emanates from that quality of God of kingship. So that neshama has the kingship. To a certain degree, every soul has all the qualities. But that soul is the soul of kingship. So therefore, the idea of kingship is inherent at its, at, in, his, in his very, very, very substance, in his very being. And his kingship obviously is on a whole different level of, of majesty and of exaltedness. This element is transmitted to the king only when we use the special anointing oil, Shemen HaMishcha. Now the truth is, in Shol HaMelech, even though anointing oil was used, and he's gotten a, a kingship for all of eternity, the deep element of this kingship wasn't given to him. Like Nachmanides says that he was only chosen because God did not want yet to, to reveal the real king because he was unhappy with the situation. So that's why Rambam doesn't say that when you give a king, they merit keser malchus. Because this quality of kingship, this is called keser malchus. The real crown of kingship is this essential quality of kingship. Rambam doesn't say that Shol HaMelech was anointed as a king, acquired this keser malchus. He got a power of kingship that will go on for all of his generations. But it's not in essence hoid malchus, it's more hadar malchus, malchus. Hoid malchus, keser malchus, glory of kingdom, crown of kingdom, that was reserved for King David. David HaMelech, when he was, in, now you have to say probably, he was born already with this quality. As Hashem says, when Hashem tells Shmuel Anavi, he says, I see a king. <laughs> I see a king amongst the, the, the descendants of Yisha. I see a king. Hey, you just got to find him. Shmuel goes and they check out all the other sons and then until they find him, they say, ah, 
That's him. That's the king that I see. But that means he's there, essentially. The, the, the anointing of the oil only like, so to speak, activates it or brings it out from something that God can see to something that can actually be experienced in the king himself. So it says right after David the Melech received this anointing oil, he became a different person. Because this was activated in him. This, this deep, inner, essential kingship, which is really divine kingship. Which now suddenly like manifested in him. And that's what Nachmanides says clearly. That the kings that was appointed that's outside of the family of David the Melech. The king Achi uh, Ashiloyne, no, the Ramban says, all the, whoever was not he says the words over there, whoever's not anointed with the oil. He says they don't have hoid malchas. What do they have? They're like, uh, as he says, they're like shaitrim, shaiftim v'shaitrim. They're rulers. Again, and even though, as I mentioned earlier, Rambam seems to learn that they are kings, but again, it's in kingship itself, it's only the second level of king, which means it's, a king is elevated. But it's an elevation related to the people coming from the people. Not a deep, inner, essential kingship emanating from, the, from, from who they really are and projecting outward. This secret of kingship, this internal essential kingship was only given to King David. Once David HaMelech was anointed, it is who he is. So indefinitely it goes over to his children. And essentially it's like, as we're going to discuss in the next class, it's essentially like Kahuna, which once Aaron Cohen became a Kohen, he has a, different, he has a different spiritual makeup, which can even be seen not just spiritually, but they say a Kohen's genes are different and the fact that they have the Kohen gene it means it's something different in his body. The, this, this, uh, this, I, this, this, but for Kohen, it goes over to all the male descendants of Kahuna. Here, it can only be in one descendant because kingship is exclusive. Kingship can't be more than one king. But it's an inherent kingship. It's, it's, it's not even something you're getting as an inheritance. It's, it's who you are. The king, the king is a king. Just like we can't say that I'm a Kohen because I inherited the kahuna from my father. Yeah, I'm a Kohen because my father is a Kohen. That's true. And my father is a Kohen because his father, I'm not, I'm not inheriting it. Inheriting is giving over something that you have, you give it over. But who you are, that's you. So going back to what we said in the beginning, David Melech Yisrael Chai Vakayim. How does it work? David is alive. When Hashem promises David the Melech, what does he promise him? What is the words over there? He promises that what? That your children, your children will sit on your throne. But also the Lashon over there is. Um, his throne is like the sun. Or the Lushan always is. When he speaks about Mashiach, it says David Avdi Nasi. David is the king. 
David is king, David is not king. Mashiach is descendant of David. Is Melech. What, what does it mean, David? Kisoi, his kingship. The point over here is this essential kingship is who David Melech is. Why is the next? It's, it's of essence. It's, again, it's not a possession. It's who he is at the deepest core of his being. He is a king. Why is the next generation a king? Because a father is his son. There is the father in the son. There is, so in as much as David HaMelech is in the next generation, in his son, so David is the king. David is the eternal king of the Jewish people. In as much as every generation of the descendants of David has David HaMelech con continuing throughout all of his children and all of his progeny, so and whoever activates that kingdom and whoever it's 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 revealed in, it's not that person being a king, it's David Amelech being a king. Because David is this essential king. Now, yes, Rambam says that David was not Zoha this to children that are not Ksherim, that are not kosher. Which means that those that are those kings from the family of David that were not worthy for the king that were wicked. This essential quality of kingdom was not, was, not, was not activated in them. It wasn't part of, because Ramam says clearly it was only inherited to children Aksherim that are kosher. But yet, in those that are kosher, it's not that they received something from David, it's who they are. But why is it who they are? Because David's, David is inside of them. And this is David is this essential king who captures God's essential kingship. And that's why when Mashiach will be king, what does that mean? It means David HaMelech, who is really the soul of Mashiach in the sense that, this, that he's manifesting more than he even manifested in the days of David HaMelech. David HaMelech will manifest in the soul of Mashiach. So when Mashiach is, is king, it says David Avdi, David, David myself. First he's called Ben David, and eventually he's called David himself. Like it's, we say it in, 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 in the Hashanahs of Hashanah Rabbah, which says, uh, we say, Ish Tzemach Shemo, who David Ba'atzmo. Mashiach, who's going to reveal himself, that's David himself. We refer to Mashiach Tzadkenu as David Malka Mashiach, even though it's a complete different person, a grandchild of David HaMelech, hundreds of generations down the line. But it is David HaMelech. It's, 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 it is who he is, who is the king. And that's the idea of Kisacha, your throne. It's one throne. It's David HaMelech's throne. One individual that captured Kesar Malchus, the essence of kingship. And that differentiates the Malchus of David from him. And here we will see the, technic, the technical element of when Achi Shaloni came and made um, Yeravan ben Avata king. What, 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 what did he, what, 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 was the, what was his work over here? Because really the question which I'm going to address in the next class is, Rambam says that you can't appoint a king only if you have a Navi, a prophet, and you have to work with the, with the Sanhedrin. You have to have the approval of the Supreme Court. They have to be there together with the Navi. And it's discussed, where do you have that? When Shmuel, Shmuel came, who was with him? That David HaMelech was considered anointed by the whole Sanhedrin. Who was with him in the days of when Shaul was made king? 
But it's interesting, by Achia Shalaini, there was only a Navi. There was no Sanhedrin there. In that, doesn't describe any element that there was a, a, a consent of the Sanhedrin. If you're making a king, you need to have Sanhedrin. And as we're going to see in the next class, is that the, the appointment, that the Navi appointed um, Yeravam as a king over the ten tribes, is nothing in any way close to the idea of appointing a king, even though he became a king. I should leave this for the next. I'm just going to say the one, the one point over here is, for whatever reason, Malchus based David at that time, as we said before, they were, was, being, was being punished, and their kingdom needed to be minimized. The minimizing of the kingdom, however, came in a way where it's not shrinking the Malchus of... of, of, of it's not... It's not... Um, there was no cutting or cutting a piece of Malchus based David away. Or there was no um, severance or, or destruction. As many, the fact that he says that your kingdom will continue over one tribe is one thing, but even regarding the other tribes, ten tribes, it's not like we're appointing a new king. What the Navi was going to accomplish over here was only one thing. In order for another king kingdom to take hold, when, when there is already a king and the people are subject to his kingdom, there is no other king. There can't be two kings. And Malchus based David is an eternal kingdom. So how is this other kingdom? Okay, we want to punish the family of David and there has to be, has to be, has to be created another sub-kingship <laughs> kingdom among, but how can that kingdom take, happen if you're, you can't be in allegiance to two kings? What the Navi needed to do in the days of Yeravam ben Avat, is if you look carefully at the Pesukim, as we're soon going to discuss in the next class, is that he basically tore away ten tribes from David's empire. He severed them from David Amelech and from the descendants of from the, from the. So what happened is they're not any more part of the empire of David. He disconnected them, and you needed to be a navi to be able to do that. He didn't mess with David's kingdom, meaning to say with his um, 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 monarchy, with his. He he caused a majority of the Jewish people to be to exit, so to speak, that, that the, the kingdom. So now they're on the outside. Once he removed them from the kingdom, so they're not under, they don't have the allegiance now to David HaMelech. So now, technically, he can appoint, appoint another king. The, the appointment of the other king, however, is not going against the fact that there will never be any other king, because there will never be any other true king. A king of Hoid Malchus, a king that's being appointed with Shem and Amishcha, with this anointing oil, a king that carries this essential, essential um, 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 regality. That will never be. When he disconnected the people technically from the, from the, from the, uh, 
from the Malchus, similar to like when David HaMelech was king at the beginning, when David became king, he was recognized only by his tribe. Where was the rest of the Jewish people? They were not under his kingdom. Until later, they all gathered together and they all accepted David HaMelech. So now he was basically shrinking again the kingdom by doing what? By pulling them out. They're outside now. Once they're outside, they're not, they're not under David's kingdom. They're free now. Now he can appoint, they can appoint a different king. But even when they appoint the other king, Rambam says, Ikara Malchus remains by David. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna elaborate this and we're going to explain this much better, Bezus Hashem, in the following class. What we are also going to talk about the following class, as mentioned earlier, is how does this manifest throughout the exile and how is this re-sparked again? Or how does this re-reignited again? How does it come to full full manifestation in the days of Mashiach. What does Mashiach, what's the process of that restoration? So Bezer Sashem, look out for class number two of this, which I hope to get done either before Shabbos or it looks more likely because of the order of classes that we have, we'll probably end up doing it on Saturday night, Matzah Shabbos, Be'ezer Sashem. That's the plan. Meanwhile, until we get to that point, may we merit that the Malchus of Mashiach should already reveal itself. We won't have to um, discuss all of this, but that we should already get to see our magnificent king with our own physical eyes. Be'ezer Hashem, let it be now.